Shalom, and thank you for listening to Beit Zayit Messages. If you enjoy this teaching, consider joining us Saturday mornings at 10 a.m. at 465 Lee Highway in Verona, Virginia, for our morning Shabbat services. Or watch the service live stream on YouTube, Facebook, or on our website at BeitZayit.org slash live. May the Father bless you richly through the hearing of His Word. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Um, I appreciated your, uh, your Josh, Alan, and, and I felt a little convicted because I do have a few numbers sprinkled in here. And you, some of y'all have heard them before. But, uh, but yeah, this, this week's Parsha is uh, Pinchas or Phineas. Um, you know, I think Alan said, other people said, Phineas was the grandson of the high priest Aaron. So it's just good to put that in perspective. Like, he wasn't just Joe Blow. Uh, picked up a spear. Um, I do want to go back into last week's Parsha, just because last week's story drifts into this week's Parsha as well. And it's, you know, it's a great story. But remember last week, uh, we have the Moabites and the Midianites are plotting against Israel. Uh, uh, Balaam, uh, you know, he's a prophetic sorcerer, and he's been hired to curse Israel. And just to remember, a sorcerer is someone that utilizes magic, and there's lots of words that go with that, but, you know, someone to believe to have magic powers or, you know, a wizard. So, you know, I grew up in the age of Walt Disney. Magic seems harmless. It seems fun. Makes for good stories. Uh, but, you know, you do have to ask yourself where the power comes from, right? So we have this, this magic. Where does Balaam's power come from? Well, it doesn't appear to be coming from God. So the, you, you say, well, if it's not coming from God, then where is it coming from? Uh, the enemy. So not, not to be too strict. I know we all have different perspectives and views and whatnot, but I, th- I think that's a great litm- litmus test is to ask, where does the power come from? So Balaam's uh, power, uh, you know, I would say it came from the enemy. Um, let's see here. Oh, and really magic, again, maybe I'm just preaching to my old self. It's an attempt to circumvent God, right? Instead of going through God's way and his power, well, we try to say, well, maybe I can work around God. You know, I could do my own thing. So, again, use a litmus test on things. Uh, but, you know, the enemy will use any means he can to make us fall. Uh, Satan, through uh, Balaam and Balak, you know, he was trying that full frontal attack spiritually. And, of course, you know, God was having none of that uh, against his people. Uh, but there is a method to Balaam's uh, curse, right? He just didn't run up to the hill and start trying to curse. Uh, if we look at Numbers 23.1, uh, Balaam said to Balak, and I think I have these are all TLV, so uh, Balaam said to Balak, build me seven altars here and prepare, prepare for me here seven bulls and seven rams. Um, three times Balaam uh, had Balak build seven altars to sacrifice a bull and a ram on each altar. So that's by my count. Here we go, Alan. 21 bulls and 21 rams. You think, well, you know, no big deal. Uh, I had to update my numbers uh, a little bit, but uh, 21 rams, maybe $250 a piece. That's $5,000 worth of rams uh, by today's numbers. Uh, Bulls, uh, it's hard to know exactly what they would have weighed, but uh, I plugged in some numbers I thought were reasonable. But, uh, uh, you know, 600 pounds of, oh, excuse me, uh, $2.00. A pound, two fifty a pound, 
uh, 600 pounds, that would be about $25,000 worth of bulls. So I, I like to do that just for myself. I hope it's not too much of a burden on you guys where it just says, okay, this is what it means, not seven of this, 21 of that. What's it mean in terms of dollars? Not to make everything financial, but I think it helps us see uh, what it was. So that's just sort of the down payment on the curse, right? Hey, we're going to try to get God's attention, win his favor, uh, I don't know what they were thinking, but that's, that's where they were going. And think about it, Balaam was going to get a reward, or, or Balak was offering a reward, so if, if Balak was willing to spend $30,000 on sacrifices, I'm thinking he was offering a lot more than that to Balaam to do the cursing for him. Um, but remember, Balaam, he had, he'd, he'd agreed to say only what God said, uh, and he was trying really hard to sway God's opinion. So Numbers 23.8, it's uh, just a little snippet of the first attempt at cursing uh, the people. Uh, and what came out of his mouth? How can I curse one whom God has not cursed? How can I denounce one whom Adonai has not denounced? Then we have the second attempt, Numbers 23.19. Uh, God is not a man who lies or a son of man who charges, uh, changes his mind. Does he speak, then not do it, or promise and not fulfill it? And then we tried one more time, the third attempt, Numbers 23, 22. God, who brought them out of Egypt, gives them the strength of a wild ox. Thus one can't put a spell on Yaakov. No magic will work against Israel. Um, so each curse came out as a blessing in the end. So Israel, you know, it survived this full frontal assault from the enemy, right? Uh, from magic, power from the devil, uh, and, and it turned out to be a blessing from God. Um, but yeah, and not only did they survive, but they were blessed. They had these uh, beautiful prophecies proclaimed over them. They go far, far into the future. Uh, and the enemies of Israel have been cursed. Um, so the enemy's been defeated, right? They survived the full frontal spiritual assault. Well, he hasn't been defeated. He hasn't, he's been thwarted, but not annihilated. Uh, Numbers 25 starts the next phase of the attacks. And again, not the full head-on assault. There's no magic involved. There's no scary devil horns or pitchforks or uh, smoke machines, right? Not, none of our stereotypical stuff. What, what did, did he use to attack Israel with? Well, pretty girls and good food. That's what the devil attacked the people of Israel with. Um, so Numbers 25.1, Israel stayed at Shittim, and there the people began whoring with the women of Moab. I'm not sure how, you know, they were physically separated out. And you've got 600,000 men in Israel, a couple million people here, and then you've got the other camps. Uh, how did these women infiltrate the camp? I don't know if there were shepherds on the outskirts or what, but uh, somehow they, they got the eye and the ear of uh, some of the, uh, the men. So, what were these guys thinking, right? They, they had seen all the miracles of the wilderness. They'd seen that God gets a little upset when you, when you go way off course. He's like, uh-uh, right? Bad things happen. Uh, but yet, it was the food and the women. And uh, I think it's a little later, but one thing to remember, they've been eating manna for 40 years. And I know there's some debate. Maybe it tastes like what you think it, you know, it's supposed to taste like. You know, if you like lasagna, then the manna just tastes like lasagna. Who knows? I wasn't there. But uh, 
It's been 40 years of the same thing. So the food uh, was tempting. The women were uh, tempting. And, you know, they didn't say, I'm sure the women didn't say, hey, come ruin your life, you know. Like, come, come, come ruin your life. Bring a curse on, on, your, on your children. No, they didn't say that. But, uh, yeah, a lot of people, older people in here probably remember Aaron Neville. He's a guy, he's a musician, right? He's got big arms, sings, he's got a sweet voice like mine. And uh, <laughs> yeah, you, you, did, you may not know that he, he, he commented on the Torah here and there. So I'll, I'll read you some of his uh, quotes here. He says, uh, uh, in talking about the uh, children of Israel, everybody plays the fool. Uh, there's no exception to the rule, which I, I, take, I disagree with that. But he's, he goes on to say, uh, how can you help it when the pagan music starts to play? So that, yeah, a lot of people don't know Aaron Neville commented on this, but it's that sort of, we know, the human nature, like they just fell right into the trap, the honeypot, they call it. So look at, disregard all that. Y'all can strike that from the uh, record. Uh, <laughs> let's look at verse 2. Uh, yeah, the, the Israelites were uh, still eating manna. So Numbers 25, 2 and 3. These women invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. So that includes food, right? But it's not ordinary food. It's food sacrificed to false gods. Uh, and where the people ate it, not only did they eat it, they bowed down to, the God, to their gods. With Israel thus joined to Baal Peor, the anger of Adonai blazed up against Israel. So again, it's not a violent assault. Nobody hit anybody with any sticks, uh, uh, said any mean, nasty words. Uh, just a friendly invite to eat some food, have some drinks, hang out with the girls. So Exodus 34, just to remind you, again, it seems innocent enough. This was not how it was presented. Uh, uh, showing grace to the thousandth generation, forgiving offenses, crimes, and sins. This is speaking to God and his character and what he says he'll do. Yet not exonerating the guilty, but causing the negative effects of the parents' offenses to be experienced by their children and their grandchildren, even by the third and fourth generations. So no one had to sign a disclaimer and say, oh, yeah, that's it. They just, they forgot. Uh, the enemy could not, get to, uh, could not get Balaam to pronounce a curse on the people. What the people did is they brought a curse on themselves, right? And uh, always I'm preaching to myself anything I say up here um, and convicted myself. So I think a lot of times we, we recognize the, the obvious danger, the, the assault, right? Uh, but what we don't recognize is this sort of slow compromise, you know, sort of inching away from God, uh, you know, good habits becoming slowly less good, and, and, uh, or disciplines, let's say, right? So uh, it, it was good for me to re remember, you, you've got to be wary of the not-so-obvious assaults. Uh, they are spiritual, but a lot of times they have a physical nature, right? Just like food, things like that. Um, so it really blo it blows me away when I'm reminded of this, that Israel brought a curse on themselves uh, uh, through these simple acts. Really big deal, though. Uh, so how does God react to all this? Numbers 25, 4 through 5. Adonai said to Moshe, take all the chiefs of the people and hang them facing the sun before Adonai so that the raging fury of Adonai will turn away from Israel. Moshe said to the judges of Israel, each of you is to put, death, put to death those in his tribe who have joined themselves to Baal of Peor. Uh, Numbers 25, 6. Just then, in the sight of Moshe and the whole community of Israel, 
as they were weeping at the entrance to the tent of meeting, a man from Israel came by, bringing his, to his family a woman from Midian. Uh, so this wasn't a, a wayward shepherd. This was a, uh, a leader, uh, Zimri, uh, of the tribe of Simeon. And it wasn't the average woman either. It was uh, uh, Cosby or Cosby. Uh, she was a Midianite princess, so she was the daughter of a leader in the Midianites. So, not, not your average people, but it kind of blows me away how, how he didn't realize. I, I would think he would realize that, you know, leaders were being hung and, and there was chaos in the camp, but he was still so brazen that he... And remember, the, the tent of meetings in, in the middle, so there's a couple million people camped around that. He had to walk through a lot of people with his Midianite princess, and I'm sure they knew that's who that was, uh, probably from dress or whatever, and, and just the brazenness of doing that and, and sort of the cluelessness of like, oh, you know, I'm a leader. I can do this. But he walked past the tent of meeting. That's where God is, right? His presence is. Uh, and uh, and he's, he's taking this girl home to his family, to his tent. So again, here's his children, his wife. They're all seeing this. And he's like, it's no big deal. Hey, I'm a leader. I could do it. It's just, it kind of, when you stop and think about it, it blows your mind. But Numbers 25 uh, we have the famous uh, Phineas. Uh, when Phineas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the Kohen, saw it, he got up from the middle of the crowd, took a spear in his hand, and pursued the man from Israel right into the inner part of the tent, where he thrust his spear through both of them, the man from Israel and the woman through her stomach. Thus the plague among the people of Israel stopped. Nevertheless, 24,000 people died in the plague. Again, not to get graphic or whatever, but, you know, to stab two people once, they were really close to each other, right? He had taken this woman into his tent, uh, and uh, so they had to be really close to be, both be killed with the same sphere at the same time. So in the midst of the 24,000 being struck by the plague, Zimri was so blinded by the physical, well, you already talked about this, he, he brings them right past the whole camp. Uh, at the end of the census, it says, uh, you know, 601,730 men of fighting age counted in the upcoming census. Uh, think about the 24,000 killed. Instead of 601,000 men of Israel, there might have been 625,000. Uh, and again, interestingly, remember we're dealing with the tribe of Simeon, not to throw them under the bus, but uh, uh, some of the tribes gain numbers in the when you see the two censuses, uh, that's hard to say. Since I, I'll get with Garrett, he'll, he'll, he'll tell me the he Hebrew for censuses. Uh, but uh, anyway, Simeon lost folks, right? They didn't gain, they didn't grow in size. Simeon lost more than any other tribe, as a matter of fact. Uh, there were 37% fewer men of fighting age from the tribe of Simeon by the time of the second census. So is it related? I don't know, but maybe, right? Uh, the children really are a blessing, right? Um, increasing is a blessing from God. It's, it's not done to make us poor and miserable, although sometimes that happens along the way. Uh, but that's not the point, right? Children are a blessing. Uh, so Numbers 25.10, uh, we finally get to this week's Parsha. Sorry, I had to, had to start way back there. Adonai said to Moshe, Pinchas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the Kohen, has deflected my anger from the people of Israel by being as zealous as I am, so that I didn't, didn't destroy them in my own zeal. 
Uh, again, I think Alan touched on it. There's, you know, how do you translate it exactly? And, and especially when we have it in the English context, you know, you have zeal uh, or zealousness and jealousness. Uh, they're not unrelated, though. Um, uh, just, again, a reminder to, to what does God say about himself? Exodus 34, 14. For you are not to bow down, for you are to bow down to no other God. That's what they had just done, right? you know, eating the uh, food sacrificed to, uh, to Baal. And because Adonai is jealous for his name, he is a jealous God. So that's pretty much a pretty straightforward uh, statement there. But in our minds, jealousy has a lot of negative connotations. Usually when we're jealous, it's sometimes for the right reasons. Sometimes it's not for the right reasons. Or if it's for the right reasons, we'd go about it in the wrong way. Um, but, you know, we should not view God's jealousness or zeal as a on that same plane as us. Uh, you know, we're petty, selfish, insecure, we have fear, uh, but not God. God's zeal and jealousy is in the sense uh, that a loving husband is jealous over his wife. And I don't think any of us want a spouse or a God who cares so little about us that it doesn't faze them if we're unfaithful, right? God's not into open marriages. He's not into open relationship, right? He's committed to you. He expects you to be committed to him. The same as we would ask of our spouse. Um, Numbers 25, 12 through 13. Uh, in talking about Phineas again. Therefore say, I'm giving him my covenant of shalom, making a covenant with him and his descendants after him that the office of Cohen will be theirs forever. This is because he was zealous on behalf of his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. So, our time's getting on, so I'll go into some more, uh, drag in the weeds some more. On the surface, it seems like, you know, Phineas is being rewarded for basically taking the law into his own hands, right? An extrajudicial killing. Uh, it's not legally authorized. You know, murder, basically, in a sense. But remember, in reality, he was carrying out the order of Adonai, God himself, which was given to Moses, and in turn, the order Moses had given to the judges. Uh, so it's, Again, it's hard to believe that Zimri made it through the camp and all that. Um, and it, the uh, Complete Jewish Bible has a commentary at the bottom of this. Uh, it says, you know, Zimri and Cosby were from prestigious families. Uh, maybe the people seeing them come through the camp, they knew the deal. But would killing Zimri, a prominent Simeonite, start a civil war between the tribes uh, of Israel? Uh, would killing Cosby cause a war to break out with uh, the Midianites? Could you have two civil wars, at, or a war and a civil war at the same time? Uh, you know, but we know Phineas didn't hesitate. Uh, he quickly and forcefully carried out the order. So uh, I think Alan touched on this as well. Uh, Phineas should inspire us, but probably we should never do what Phineas did, even in a symbolic way, right? Uh, it was a direct order from Adonai to Moshe, to say, hey, hang the leaders, basically destroy these guys that participated in uh, worshiping a false god. Uh, but, you know, it could be with non-believers, but probably with believers were the worst, where I take my sword and you take your sword, we each have the word of God, and then we try to hack each other up with it. And, uh, you know, um, so we need to try to make sure that we're not doing that with each other. 
And it's not easy because, you know, people are irritating, right? You know, and we're always the smartest person in the room. I don't care who you are, you know. So, uh, but, so be inspired by Phineas, but don't try to be Phineas. Uh, only in the sense that you, if God tells you something, then you, you do it, right? With alacrity. I think we learned that in Torah Club a couple of weeks ago. Um, so, yeah, Phineas was not taking the law in his own, in his own hands. Uh, so, let's see here. So, what, what are we to do? This, this was hard for me to read. I, I've read it many times, but, you know, we talk about what would Yeshua do. The path laid before us by Yeshua, he tells us to love our enemies, pray for our persecutors, and show kindness to both the wicked and the good. Uh, again, we're not likely to be dealing with the Phineas situation. Just irritating human behavior. So uh, there are many scriptures that would apply to this, but I picked out Luke 6:35. But love your enemies, do good, and lend, is talking about other issues as well, lend expecting nothing back. Your reward will be great, and you will be children of Ha-Elion. This really smacked me in the face because I had a lot of uh, difficult conversations with difficult people this week. So, and it, but it says, For he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. I'm like, that's scandalous, God. but he's right, right? And thankfully, I wasn't too terribly unkind, but probably my thoughts were very unkind. And uh, that, you know, there's pretend conversations you have with people. And um, we all do it. So I'm like, I want to be Phineas, but really I need to go emulate my God. He's kind to the, even to the ungrateful and the wicked. So let's be zealous for the Lord. Uh, but kind to each other, uh, really strive to be kind to each other, and including those that disagree with us. So, that's all the numbers and ramblings I have for you this week. Thanks for listening, and uh, I hope you all have a great, uh, great Shabbat. Again, thanks for joining us for the Bates I Eat Messages podcast. This podcast is an extension of Bates I Eat Messianic Congregation, a group of Jews and Gentiles, one in Messiah, currently meeting in Verona, Virginia. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to subscribe and leave a review, along with a five-star rating, or give us a thumbs up wherever you're listening from. If you're interested in learning more about the Creator and His Word from a Messianic Jewish perspective, Check out our website at BatesIE.org for helpful resources and more information. Until next time, Shalom.